is waiting on me. Yep. He said he was going to come back, but he shouldn't have to come back. It's me. think they're fixing to do training. Talk about I mean he he told me Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday at the Table. Welcome everybody out there in Facebook land on Facebook Live. Um, we'd like to welcome everybody to our study tonight, and we will start out with prayer first, and then we will get into his word. Heavenly Father, right now we just come before you. Lord, we lift you up. Lord, this is your time for us to delve into your living word. Lord, it's your time for us to come to a knowledge that's even greater. Lord, have your Holy Spirit speak to each and every one of us. Lord, take me out of the way. Let your Spirit speak what needs to be spoken in this place tonight. I ask that everyone have open ears and open hearts for what the Spirit has to say. And we do this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen, Amen. Uh, all those out there in Internet land and stuff and here, how many of y'all enjoyed our weekend, our, our worship we had this weekend? I know you did. You was up there on stage. I was watching you. Uh, it was some Holy Ghost-filled time. It, the Spirit moved. The Spirit was really moving. Um, and the beginning of that, we started with the blowing of the shofar, um, which just set me into a straight on path with the Holy Spirit. It was a great worship and I want to, he kind of, I was going to start a study in, um, I think I told the pastor Joe, but I was actually going to start a study in, uh, oh goodness, I can't think, um, his name completely, I am having a old timers moment right now. Uh, Jonah, I was, we were going to break down the book of Jonah, but he checked me Sunday evening with some stuff that was, that happened during our praise and worship. And it's not that our praise and worship, and it wasn't just the sounding of the shofar or any of that, but there was, there, I want us to understand there is a time and there's order and there was no disorder in our service. There was total order in that service. And even to the point of where, let's give a shout. Do you know a shout is biblical? A shout. Now, unfortunately, we have over the years in the church world, 
uh, tied restraints. It was kind of funny. Me and Patrick were kind of talking earlier about things like that. And we've tied restraints upon our own selves of we must be reverent and quiet. And, you know, I mean, even to the point there used to be fights about words on the wall, you know, over hymnals. There's no, we're not supposed to do that type of fighting. If you want to go read Timothy and Titus. And look at the warning that's given to believers about infighting between yourselves over Scripture and the Word. There's a major warning, and you need to live to it. We don't need to fight over that, because one thing, how is the world out there going to look at us if they see us fighting over it and certain things? Now, I can say if it's a total bogus interpretation, but you need to speak to somebody. You don't need to do, call them out because the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to hurt people out there that are going, hey, I want what, I don't know if I want it now. But what happened here was, oh, I mean, it was a Holy Ghost time. I can't wait. But the shout is biblical. We need to learn to shout. I mean, it's easy for us to shout when, you know, the fighting is done and victory is already there. I mean, you got to think. There is some of the biggest shouting done in this. Matter of fact, I know I think it was actually Pastor that said something about a shout when he came up the first time. And instantly my head, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, this state on a fall Saturday is split in half. There's 110,000 people in Tuscaloosa. There's 90,000 people in Auburn that will shout their lungs out for a floppy elephant and a big-headed tiger. Now, I'm an Auburn fan. But if I can shout for them, my shout for Jesus better be a lot bigger. Yes, there's times to be reverent, and I'll tell you, the Spirit will bring a reverence upon this house when the, there needs to be a reverence and a hush because he's trying to speak. But there also needs to be a time when we need to understand there is a shout of victory that needs to resonate from Destiny Church. A shout of victory when you don't even see it. And I'm, we're, our, our study tonight is going to be in Joshua. And it's in Joshua 6, 2 through 5. If y'all will turn there, we need to understand what's going on here. Everyone's heard this story before. It is the children of Israel right now are on the outside of Jericho. They're, they're ready to take this, this city over. They've done their trek in the desert. They've crossed the Jordan. They've gone through their circumcision. They are ready to fight. They are ready to take their promise that has been told to them. Do they see it? No, they see the prize, but they don't, can't touch it yet. They have a feel of it, because, and we'll talk about that here in a second. They're, they're going to get a taste of their prize the night before. But they don't have the prize yet. And this is what happens in verse 2. It says, and and Jehovah said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, and its kings, and the mighty men of war. Verse 3, And you shall go around the city, all the men of the war, 
Go around the city once, so you shall do for six days. And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And the seventh day you shall go around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. We'll get into that in a second. And it shall be with when they make a loud blast with the ram's horn, and when they hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the and the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall go up, each man straight to him. Joshua six fifteen. Go down to fifteen. That is the Lord telling Joshua what's going to happen. And let's go to 15, and it says, And it happened on the seventh day. They rose early at the dawning of the day and circled the city the same way seven times. Only, only that day did they go around the city seven times. And it happened at the seventh time when the priests blew with the ram's horn, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for Jehovah has given you the city. That's that, I think it's me down like this, doing like that. But, and so the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpet, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell flat, so that the people went into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. There was a shout of victory before the victory had even been done. Let's get a let's get a today picture. Uh, please forgive me. We're all in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The Crimson Tide's on the 25-yard line going in for a score. They're lining up. Man goes in motion, but the whole time there's a hush of the crowd. Not one word is said. Nothing is done. Everybody is quiet in anticipation for the play to happen. As the play folds out, everybody just does a little gas. But then as after the crossing of the goal line and the touchdown is scored, people then stand and clap and applaud. Have y'all ever seen that happen? Have you? No. Tuscaloosa, Auburn, Knoxville, wherever. People are going nuts. There's meters going off, bands playing, everybody. There's, unfortunately, it's almost like they're worshiping before the play's even played. And when that play's played, they're cheering them on the whole time. They're shouting what? Their team onto what? Victory. We have an issue in the church, unfortunately, with a shout of victory when we can't see it yet. When it's already been promised to us. Let's go to the end of the book and tell, what does it say? We win. Okay, why can't we shout about that? You get a diagnosis of cancer, you still got victory. You have a loved one pass away. I'm stepping on my own toes right now. I had two of them pass away in 11 months to the day. And my shout went away. But I still should have been shouting my victory in him. We as the church need to learn to start shouting. 
I mean, the good Lord is on the main line right now just letting us know we need to show. Amen? But the whole thing is we, we want to be caught up. and We want to be reverent, like I said, and we, we've been taught in church that for so long. We like to tie in. <laughs> it's funny, Pastor, that we just got it. We like to put the Holy Spirit and the move of the Spirit, whether whatever it is, whether it's in worship, we like to put them in a box and untie that box and lift the lid when we feel it's time. Instead of letting him just come forth and do what he wants to do. We need to, as a church, learn to shout our victory and understand we are victorious. Last week, what did I teach on? We were given a gift, weren't we? What was that gift? The Holy Spirit. You've already received your victory in the Holy Spirit. Quit trying, We and I'm not saying people here, but unfortunately in the church world, people like to repress him. Try to, I'll let you out when I need you. Go sit in the corner until I need you. No. We need to start shouting our victory from time on. And I want to, the cool thing about this, and I just found this, and I wasn't even really going to talk about the trumpets at all, but the sounding of that shofar this past Sunday just, I've heard shofars, I've blown a shofar. I'm not very good at blowing the shofar. It, you can ask my wife, I just, no. <laughs> but it, it does something. And there's different blasts, there's different things, there's different types of blowing of the shofar. And the, in this, and I looked it up, and I'm going to read something, there's like four initial sounds of the blowing of the shofar that they use in, in, the, um, in Hebrew times and today in the Jewish church. Um, Rosh Hashanah, the horn is blown a hundred times during that day a hundred times and there's different types that they have but the third type is called Tura and that is a call into victory and into battle it is a blast what did it say in here you will blast the horn it is what they do is they do multiple blasts it's like and that's but there's a funny thing when you take that word tura, which means it is a horn, it's a horn blast of victory, and you take what the shout is, the key word of that shout is ruah. They're both spelled, you take the, the uh, T-E and add to ruah, and ruah is a shout of alarm and joy and triumph. In other words, a shout of victory. They were shouting victory. The trumpet was blowing victory before the victory was even there. They were letting, it, letting the world know that Lord Jehovah has blessed us and we are about to take this and we agree. It was almost like a giant amen that they were saying. They shouted victory. They blew the horn to victory. I just, I mean, that kind of excited me. I actually found that this afternoon. I'm like going, 
wait a minute, they have the same key word. They have the same triumph. It was a triumphal blast of the horn. It was a triumphal shout. That, and the walls, when they happened, the walls were still standing. Rahab was still up there. I love how she, you know how the walls had to have fallen. The walls didn't fall out because it would have, it would killed the whole nation of Israel. The walls didn't fall in because if it had, it would have destroyed the city of Jericho. And also, either way, would have killed Rahab. She sat on her house and her household was on top of the wall. Those walls fell straight down. She rode an elevator down to victory. She was promised that her and her household would be spared. They were the only ones spared in that whole city. She knew, I guarantee you, when she heard that, those horns and she heard that shout because there had been silence for six days. You know, a lot of times, yes, I talk about, I just said we need to be shouting our way. But also, a lot of times, when we're in our victory march, we need to quit being so Christian and just shut our mouth. In other words, blabbing. And we need to listen, again, what I talked about last week, that small, still voice to speak. And usually, upon that time, if we're quiet, that seventh time is going to come around and he's going to speak. And guess what? That's when we shout. That's what happened in here Sunday morning. The Spirit of God was moving in this place. There was a hush in here. When they started, when he said, when he said, hey, we're going to blow the shofar, there was a hush. There wasn't any, hey, we're going to blow the shofar. No, there was a hush. But I could feel the move. It was a quiet. There wasn't a quiet. Honestly, in pastor, I didn't feel a question. But I felt it was as though he called us into battle because there were some things probably won in this place. There were some battles and victories won in this place. And it was all ushered in with the start of the blowing of the shofar and our worship. It's a funny thing. Every time they went into battle, who were the first ones? Who was on the front lines? The trumpet, the musicians, and the worshipers. All the guys with the spears and swords and all that were behind them. That don't make sense. Unless the Lord's in it. It's an example for us when the, one of the best ways for us to go into battle is to lead in with worship. When you go into battle and you're praying to the Lord, worship Him. You remember I got into it last week and I kind of, I'd forgotten my children's pastor world when I started talking about prayer and what, the, the, what it means, pray. I mean, peace means praise. That's worship. Or repent. A, ask for others. Why? Yourself. Pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be their name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as, it earth, as on earth as it is in heaven. You're praising God and acknowledging him who he is. 
Forgive us this day. Woo! We're going to repent. We're going to ask for others because right after that, what happens? When you ask for forgiveness, you ask for that forgiveness for that person just as we forgive those who have wronged us, right? It's simple. When we pray and we do that and we lead in with that praise, all this other will start following. Praise Him. You don't have to be in this setting on a worship Sunday to praise the Lord. You should start your prayer with praise and adoration, not, Lord, I got a problem. I know it's hard. We're flesh. Unfortunately, we tend to be narcissistic when it comes to God. It's all about us, not Him. When honestly and truthfully, you know what? My salvation wasn't to save me. My salvation is so I can have a relationship with him. He wanted me to have a relationship. It was about him, not me. He looked down and saw me messed up, jacked up, how I was going to be. And he loved me enough to send his son some 2,000 years ago to die for me. Unfortunately, we think it's about us. Oh, it's me, 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 and I, the Lord gets to have a relationship with me. Unfortunately, in the church world, that happens. Unfortunately. And that's why a lot of times when we pray and we get into things, instead of us, you know, we start talking instantly, Lord, I got this issue. You got to help me out. You know, it's messed up. No, why don't we try praising him first? Get lost in him. And, you know, Clear your heart. Let's get sanctified. I'm not going to get into the study of sanctification, but it's not a single process. It's a daily process. Every time you ask for forgiveness, your sanctification is wrought. It is being pure and holy before God and of God. That is sanctification. And when we ask for forgiveness and we're covered in that blood, we're sanctified. But guess what? I mess up, I jack up. I told y'all last week, I'm honest. I will be the most honest person that ever teaches you. I mess up, and I have to ask the Lord forgiveness. I don't float around on holy wings three inches off the ground. I, a lot of times, I'm on my knees trudging around in the slop I've created, and I have to ask God to forgive me. What? We've praised Him. We've repented. Oh, you know what? My brother's shoulder hurting. I need to pray for it. My sister don't feel good. My pastor needs lifting up. When you do that, a lot of times at the end, when that why happens, you, you're like, my situation wasn't too bad. But Lord, you know what it is, and I know you got it under control. You will find that part, if you take just that little thing, and I used to teach that to children, but we all need it because you know what? We're supposed to go into the Word, and we're supposed to have childlike what? Faith. I ain't saying you go back to milk. I'm talking about let's be meat eaters with some childlike faith, and let's pray like we're supposed to pray, and let's, you're going to find a lot of times your issue is going to all but disappear. It's going to be there, but it's not going to be, because you're going to start thinking of others. You're going to start, 
You're going to get lost in praise. You're going to get lost in, Lord, I didn't realize. I, I did this, I did that. And I ain't saying you've gone out and killed somebody, robbed a liquor store, drank half the stuff you stole, and uh, stole a car. And I ain't saying that. I'm talking about things that happen. And sometimes in the days in our walk, we're not perfect. Get that repentance. And when you get to that why, a lot of times you want to revert back to that P. Because you already know the victory that's wrought or the victory that's bought or the victory that's already there for you when you go to ask. We need to start having some ruah in our shout. We need to have some victory shouting when we don't even see the victory because the mountain of foreclosure is in front of our face or the mountain of uh, cancer is in front of our face or the mountain of uh, family separation is in, our, in, in my face. Shout that victory. Watch that mountain fall just like walls of Jericho. We need to start understanding how important our praise and worship is. It's just not a lead-in to pastor to come bring a great message. I told one of the most humbling times ever with me, and it's scary times, was when we had my first church and I had praise and worship we had an altar and the Holy Spirit quickened me and said shut up you're not preaching <gasps> y'all had church service and you didn't preach the word guess what church service ain't all about that I'm not saying that bad, but understand God did what he wanted to do in that house that day he shut my lips and I had a bunch of old timers in that church do you want to know what when I got up there and I told them what and they, uh, they felt the spirit. The spirit had moved, moved on people. My wife saw that, and I was like, I'm sorry, we're done. God said what he wanted to accomplish, because what I would have said wouldn't have meant a hill. Well, it's God's word. It would have meant a hill. But understand this. It wasn't what God wanted to accomplish that day, and it all came out of praise and worship. And those old folks, those older uh older generational people and saints, let's call them, looked at me and smiled. I was scared to death. I'd never seen it, honestly and truthfully, in my time in, in the Church of God at the time, and sure didn't see it in my other denomination I belonged to, but I'd never seen it. They had a big smile. They were in agreement because they felt it and they knew it. It's all because we had a shout. I mean, we were doing some shouting. We were doing some praising. And I'll tell you, it wasn't modern-day praise. We had a piano, and we had a bass and a drum, and we had singers. And we sang old hymns, and we sang stuff like that. But guess what? God will move in a hymnal. God will move in a praise and worship song. God will move where you worship him. Because I'll tell you, you want to see me cry? Start Amazing Grace. Start Amazing Grace. I don't make it very far, and I weep like a baby that had his patsy taken from him. That song breaks me. 
because it is an amazing grace. How God had favor on me. You know, grace is favor. It means favor. And it's an amazing favor that he had on me. Because you can't get a little narcissistic, not with God, but with the whole relationship thing. God sent his son for you. Each and every one of you. And you can make it personal. And it, when we get into this shouting for victory and understanding what our praise and worship does for us, they had a taste of this. You know, we get back here to Joshua. They had a taste of this just the, right before this. They had just crossed over the River Jordan. They were hidden in. They put their stones. And if you read in Joshua 5, 10 through 12, it says, And the sons of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover for the 14th day of the month at the evening in the plains of Jericho. And they ate the old grain of the land on the next day after the Passover, unleavened cakes and roasted grain in the same day. And the manna stopped on the next day after they had eaten the old grain of the land. Oh, they must have upset the Lord. No, provision had changed. And there was no more manna to the sons of Israel, but they ate the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Understand, they ate already before they were eating of the victory before they could even see the victory. That's what we need to do. You get that diagnosis from the doctor. You know what God can do. Start eating that healing. Start eating, just absorbing it. Start shouting, God, I know what you can do. I praise you. Before you even see it, they ate. They have been, this is a generation other than Joshua and Caleb who had never seen anything but manna. Those two men are the only ones, because of the first trip to Jericho, they are the only two who had ever seen a time without manna. They had God's provision in their lives. Everyone that Joshua was leading at that time had seen the provision of God daily fall from the sky. And we know the story of manna. It would fall every morning. They would gather it. They, weren't, they would eat of it, and they were supposed to throw it out, right? Because the new, it was, and that's like we're supposed to be dwelling in the new. We don't need to be just hashing on the old. We need to every day look for something new in the Lord. And there's an example for us that way. But this generation, all of a sudden, knowing the promise that had been given all the way back in the land of Egypt to the generation before them, when they started seeing the promise being fulfilled by the eating, just a simple eating of the grain and the fruit of the land, they knew victory had been brought. 
When you read, okay, what are we supposed, what's supposed to be our food as a Christian? This word. He just gave me this one. Well, I just had a drop. I love when he gives me drops. Eat of the land. Before you see your victory, eat of the land. Let's eat the grain. Hey, there is the old grain in here. Let's read some of the Old Testament and what the prophets used to do and see their example that we're supposed to still take. We didn't forget about them. Jesus didn't do away with the Old Testament, did he? No. We can learn. We can glean. We can feed. Let's start feeding off of this. Just like they started feeding off the grain and the fruits of Canaan. This is our Canaan. And our victories are wrote out in this book. Why can't we shout for them already? Why can't we praise about them already? I know it's hard. I am as flesh as y'all. It is hard to sometimes... Sometimes Rick will do this one. Sometimes Rick's hands will be in his pockets. <gasps> you were an ordained pastor in the church of God. No, I'm still a man. Sometimes my arms are folded like this. And it's not because I'm in a defensive posture. It's because I'm the P Pillsbury Doughboy. This is comfortable for me. Some people say, oh, you're in a defensive posture. No, I'm not. I'm comfortable that way. But we need to understand the things that we have been given. We have been given the grain. We have been given the fruits right here that we need to start taking in. And we need to start looking at the promises of God. We need to start looking at his promises. And we need to, even before we see them, even though we eat of them and we take it in and we know it, we can still shout our victory. We can still get excited when we're called into worship with the blowing of the shofar. Now, what was blown there was a call into worship. That's one of the, it's called, uh, hold on, let me look it up. Uh, it is called Tekia. Not Kia like a car, but it's Tekia. And that's a long blast calling in. It's alerting people to come in. There's the, the next one, I don't know what the name is. It's called, it's a black, it's a certain type of, that's a double, triple blast. That's called, is a call to repentance. But what was blown here was actually us being called into worship. And it's and this is something else I thought of. The last two parts of last week, we I, I said there's two parts about the Holy Spirit that is key. What were they? Can anybody re remember what they were? I'll say the first one: love. What was the other one? Started with a U. There you go. You buy her something nice for that one. <laughs> Unity. We were all together in this house. 
No one got up and walked out because the shofar blew. We were all in unity. What did I give you as an example of the most unified time when we talk about the Holy Spirit? The upper room. They were all in one accord. And I'm not talking a Honda. I love that joke. They were all in one accord. In other words, they were all unified. They were all of one belief. They all believed in Jesus Christ. They believed his promise. Something was, you know, the gift. It was going to come. They didn't know how it was going to come. They didn't know. You don't know how the Holy Spirit's going to work in this place when he comes in here. But that day he came in as a rushing wind. And clothes of fire sat upon their, uh, tongues of fire, as it says, tongues of fire sat upon their head. Signifying the Holy Spirit. And then they all started falling, not falling out, falling out in a military term, falling out the door. And they started speaking in tongues. Tongue interpretation was given. Tongues and interpretation were given here. It's biblical. It was done on that day. They were interpreted because when those men came out and they gave, in the, they were speaking in tongues, they, there was a, a, you understand, there was a calling in. There were Jews from all over the world in Jerusalem that day. And they filed out of the place speaking in the known languages of all these nations. And they were like, how do they know all this? Are they drunk? Yeah, they were drunk in the Holy Ghost. But it was new. And it was all because they were in one accord. They were in that upper room doing what? They weren't sitting here like this. Should drop any moment. Jesus said he was coming. Yeah, he should be here. Mm-hmm. No. They were praying together in unity, in one accord. They were worshiping together in unity, in one accord. This house, Sunday morning, I feel believers, you may, some may have been, when that they played that recorded show for, you might have got a little cross-eyed or going, what's that? But being in tune with the Holy Spirit, I can tell you, when we ended, was at the end of worship, this house was in one accord, and God had poured his Spirit out on this house. And the shout that was going up was shouts of victory. I don't know what your victory is. I don't know what yours is. But we need to shout the victory over this house and over us and our circumstances. We need to worship. We need to be ushered in. We need to usher God's spirit in. We need to do what we need to do as scripture says and pray. Pray what did I what was the very first thing I taught on here? Pray without what? Unrelenting prayer. You don't see you keep praying. 
because you know the victory's there. You keep praising him. You keep shouting the victory the whole way. You keep raising up that ruah. And you let that trumpet sound. There's times, you know, this is one, one of my favorite stories. I love Joshua and I love Caleb. Ooh, don't get me started on Caleb. I love that. I love some Caleb. Because that man fought. He's an old man. He fought and fought and fought. He knew he had a promise and he fought everyone at every fight there was. And he received his cut of Canaan last. And he fought and fought. He's the one when they came back the first time from Jericho and was ready to fight. Joshua was like, yes, we can do it. Caleb's like, let's do it. I mean, I just see he's the guy that's kind of like, ooh, I'm ready to do it. He is one of those that also was probably one of the most dedicated men. He may not have been a man. He wasn't a man of many words. He was a warrior for the cause and the nation of Israel. He, he, he didn't see giants. He saw big grapes. I guarantee you that day when those two men witnessed that wall fall with those shouts, it doesn't say it in Scripture. And we talked about how in the Old Testament God poured out his spirit individually on people as it was. I if they didn't get close to filled with the Holy Ghost, because they had lived years, over 40, for this promise to come forth. And they, they're the only two. The only two that were allowed. Can you imagine what that would have been like? knowing that God has promised you something. You have been going for over 40 years. You had already, to the point, these two men had already been in the city. They had already seen what it was like in Canaan and saw what it was like in Jericho. And they, the other spies decided they were too wimpy. I'm not going to go there. I was going to make a jab and pastor and another Air Force guy might have said something. I said, that must have been Air Force guys. The two gung-ho guys must have been, I'm ex-Navy. Okay, we're going to, that's no offense to any military. I love all military, even though I'm a squid. Okay, but just don't be But the whole thing is they got a taste 40 years prior, and they never lost their shout in victory because they knew the promise. Every battle that was fought in that 40 years, they were there. They were there when Moses had to have his arms raised up and held up during the battle, kind of like our pastor did a couple weeks ago. And his arms were raised up by two mighty men of God in this house. And at that whole worship time, they were holding his arms up so he, would, he could worship. And guess what that does? He's our lead. He is our shepherd. His arms are up and he's praising and praising. Guess what's happening? It's covering every single one of us. Just like Moses was when he was over the battlefield. Moses got so tired he had to sit down. They had to, he was an old man. 
kind of like that gray-haired bearded guy we talk in love as pastor. No, he's way younger than me. <laughs> he just got a lot more gray than I do. But the whole thing is we need to understand that was all because of prayer and worship and praise. Before they went into that battle, who was leading them again into battle? The worshipers. I'm sorry. My idea of warfare is not sending in I'll name a Christian band. Mercy me in front of the 101st. I'm sorry. Automatic weapons today would take out the band, but not in God's view. How many battles were wrought just because of the worship and praise and not one, one weapon was raised? There's several instances where God goes in and slays. They've walked into tents and whole armies and they would already be either gone or dead. And they all walked in with the praise. They didn't know it. When you walk into battle, you go into the battle, Pastor mentioned going into, when you see the Navy, I mean, the, I love it as a Navy term because it's one of my favorite Navy movies. It's called In Harm's Way. When you go out on ship and I was on an aircraft carrier and we would go on the station during Desert Storm it, we would we would go on to uh, at night we couldn't see if there were mines out there and we're launching aircraft and there were mines all around us but we would go into harm's way not knowing but we knew that victory was going to be happening because we did a good job over there. But when we go into the battle with the Lord, we need to know that where our victory already is. And just don't sit back on your laurels and sit back on, you know, just sit back on your promises. No, you can't do that. Sit back on your promises like this and go, okay, Lord, your spiritual recliner. That's another way we don't need to be doing. We don't need to be sitting back in our spiritual recliner Shaking our spiritual tea glass, going, go get them, God. Because I'll tell you, he ain't wearing a bunch of armor sitting in a spiritual recliner. You have to be ready for the fight. We are, what are we called? We are the what of the Lord. We're the children, but we are also called what? The army. It's funny, so many places it talks about us being soldiers, putting on armor, fighting the what? Good fight. We're in a fight, folks. Yes, ma'am. But that's where we have to, when you are in, when you have a moment of walking in the flesh and you can't see that, 
That's where you have to be still and listen for the Spirit. Because there's a lot of times I will go, well, yeah. Are you talking about a a Christian or are you talking about a lost a person that's lost that doesn't know Jesus yet? Or hasn't had any type of teaching yet? Both. Okay. You explain a Christian just as you would in this teaching right here about the small still voice and about how the Holy Ghost you would have to teach them Pastor <laughs> No, no, what I'm saying is what were we talking about? It was like you were listening the whole thing, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with everyone out there. The number one problem with the church today is not teaching properly. It's not about Sunday. When people get saved, first and foremost, you're not, it's going to be very, very hard to teach somebody that has not, doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're going to think some hoodoo voodoo is going on in this place. If they see some moves of the Holy Ghost, they're going to be like, "What in the world?" They're not going. But if they come, if a person is ushered in and loved, and they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we as a church need to start teaching them. I ain't talking about they don't need. We need to let them see this. It's the number one thing. And those of us that are understand scripture need to come up alongside of them put our arm around them and go you look like you're in shock let me tell you because you're not going to be if we operate like we should in this sanctuary and openly and let the Holy Spirit and the gifts not one not two but the gifts flow in this house we are going to have to do some explaining we're going to have to do it in love. We're going to have to come up alongside us that are that understand Scripture. We're going to have to come up alongside, put our arms around them, and go, let me explain. That might be someone's ministry in this house. You may be, that might be someone's, to come up alongside with a smile on your face going, you look like you're a deer in the headlights. You're hearing this tongues thing happening. Let me tell you. Let me show you. Let me tell you how this is biblical. And let me tell you what it is and why we observe it and why we give reverence to when, when a tongue, uh, when someone speaks in tongues over the house like it was here. And there was interpretation. That was totally biblical. Totally tongue and interpretation. Now there's personal, I'm not getting into the gifts of tongues tonight, please, no. I'm just talking, but we need to start teaching people. How would I do it? I would teach them one, the number one way to teach someone is out of love. Two, you gotta have your scriptural background on it. You're gonna have to be able, and I'll tell you, I've pastored churches, and I've done things, and I'm not ashamed to go to this book in the back of the Bible and look stuff up. I wasn't given the gift to spit scripture out my head. I know men who aren't even called to be pastors that can sit there and they can all but quote every verse and 
everything of this Bible. I know a lot of pastors that can't. God didn't gift me that way. Tommy, I know you're one. You know scripture. But guess what? God's blessed you with that. That is a gift. And guess what? You can use that gift and look and go, let me tell you, brother, why? With a big old loving smile on your face. It's like, let me tell you why. And you see it being fulfilled because God said. But don't have any shame about going to the, I'm not talking about Revelation, I'm talking about back here in the concordance. And go there and have to look something up. You don't know how many times I would, at my church we had one back door. And as I would have someone close my prayer out and I'd go that back door. You know, I'd, I'd do the preacher thing. You know, we got too many doors here. Pastor is not omnipresent, so he, he just. But, and, but the whole thing about it, you don't know how many times people hit me with other stuff or other questions. Like, you know, you come to me with a question. I love questions. But you've got to be respectful. Sometimes your question can't be immediately answered. You go, I could give you, I could spit you some stuff out. I could. I can do, I can play, I can play preacher. I can play preacher all day long. But the whole thing is what we need to do is one, be prepared. And if you're not, you need to look at it and say, let me look that up real quick. Or let me get back to you because I don't want to lead you astray. But when somebody sees something or we need to teach somebody this, we need to be prepared. This house, I, wasn't I was not going to teach this at all. We were going to do Jonah or we were going to do uh, one I call he, the one who was, who is, and is to come. And it was going to talk about Jesus in Old Testament. Who? Jesus in the New Testament. And the Jesus who's coming. I was going to do that. But he turned me inside out on this. And I know I have a feeling and I got a glimpse why Sunday. This house is about to explode. The Holy Ghost is ready to move. There's a reason why, and I know he's not here, but he is the apostle over this church, why Bo Barton was placed here. There's a reason why we are where we're at and we're growing. I wasn't here, we were here only a few months before COVID. And I'm going to be straight up with you, Pastor. I know you sometimes wonder, going from two services to one. But there is a thing called the threshing floor. There is a thing called where you have to separate. And God is preparing this house. I watched the day when Eddie James was here and the things. People were absorbing a pat an up. An ex-pastor that's a pastor again who was selling drugs at one time had cheated and left his wife who's now back and there wasn't one <gasps> no disgust or anything in this house. There's a lot of churches within five miles of this one that would have probably asked them to leave. 
and tell me who was wrong. God is doing something in this house. He brought me to this about us shouting. Let's have a little shout in the house Sunday. Don't be afraid to open your mouth. Let him know he's Jehovah. Let him know that you already know of the victory. He has got us at the cusp of wonders. And the whole thing is not for us to receive healings or us to pile up the crutches on the corner or us to put gold stars on how many people's gotten received the Holy Ghost and how many people's. No, it's all for His glory. Because every one of those miracles, you know what a miracle is to God? Do you know what a miracle is to God? It's just a thing. It's not a miracle to him. It's something he can just do. We look at it as the flesh and we go, ooh, that's a miracle. No, it's just God doing his thing. And what we need to do instead of us going, oh, look what we've done in the house, we go, glory be to God, and take that, and people come in and they hear that and go, it ain't us, it's God moving in this house. Because miracles are supposed to be to his glory and for his testimony. Every time you use the gift, it's for him. When you are gifted in the Holy Spirit and you have, you have the gifts, you have the gifts of tongues, you have the gifts of prophecy, you have the gift of knowledge, you have the gift of discernment, you have any of those gifts and you use them, it's not for you, it's for his glory. And he's ready to do things in this house. He is ready. And you know how it all starts? One, it's going to start with us praying. Is you pray that you are open to God moving in this house and allowing his spirit to move. And then Sunday, when and you don't have to wait Sunday. You can do it at home. Let's get a little praise going on, a little worship. Get it going. When you come in here Sunday, don't come in here Sunday looking for a great word for pastor, even though he's going to bring it. Come in here and not because our worship team is going to be up here because they're going to practice hard Thursday and they're going to have some beautiful music, especially that Rick Pino song y'all sang. Oh, you don't know about, uh, I, 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 I love grinding their bones into bread. Mm-mm-mm. I love that song. When y'all start the first note, I just want to, from the show part of that as a first, we need to come in here that expectant. Not to who we're going to see and whose hand we're going to shake, even though we're gonna, it's going to be great seeing every one of y'all. Let's walk in these doors. Let's go up on that stage. Not to put on, but to get lost in him to worship him. If we got lost in true worship in this place, that clock that sits over there that I, I've, I've never been on, well, I was on the stage a few weeks, I mean, a month ago doing the, but I'd seen it a long time ago, that little clock over there. I hope that's the first thing the Holy Ghost does in this place. Is he knocks that clock off. 
And those that have their alarms set on their little phones or whatever at 12 o'clock, well, y'all just go. And we find ourselves lost face down, 1.32, and don't even realize it. Can you imagine what a day of worship and God's word and fellowship that would be in the house? It would be destiny's upper room. We're at the edge, folks. We have to be prepared to shout. We have to be prepared to worship. But we also need to be together. We need to be together in it. We need to be prepared to explain. Like, you know, the tongue. It was biblical. There's an interpretation in the house. That was as biblical as anything. You can't say, well, you, this gift and that gift has gone away. Because that's you picking and choosing what the Holy Ghost wants to do. I don't think I have that power. Unfortunately, for years, he has been, de- I talked about it last week, he has been denied. It's grieving. It, the Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. When you don't allow him to move, that grieves him. That's like, that would be like us looking at Jesus Go, no, don't go, go to the cross for me. You know, that would have broke, you know, and he looked, that would have broke his heart. Because he's prepared, he was prepared to die for us. The Holy Spirit is a gift given to us to be poured out on us. Each and every one of us. as our strength and our power to walk every single day. Let's don't deny him. Let's let him do what he wants to do in us. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, put a shawl on. That's the whole thing. And you have an understanding about that, don't you? You know, some people, but we, you know, there might be some people in here. I think we do have a Millbrook police officer in here. He may have to go on duty and he get up and go. Or a doctor, let's say uh, we have a doctor in here. Yeah, yeah.
but that's where nights like tonight are here. It's teaching. And I've preached a many a sermon. Things happen when you preach. People learn when you preach. But one of the most vital parts of growing is being taught. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, what did he tell us to do? Go ye therefore, and what? Did he tell you to preach? He said, to teach everything I taught you. Again, pastor, nothing against preaching, because guess what? You're going to preach, and you can teach. You taught this week out of, and guess what? It happened, and I preached. I have preached and preached and preached. But one of the most valuable times as a church and a Christian is teaching times. And this is not just, we, anybody can come up here and teach, but Tuesday at the table is called Tuesday at the table for a reason. We already talked about it. With the same thing about the Canaan and they ate of the land. You want to eat of the promises and learn teaching nights like this are vital. Yes, we need to have fellowship. We need to have corporate worship. But we need to have times that the word is taught. We need, you need to have times of personal study. But the word, that's where, and it's funny, it's so much of this is what me and you had a five to ten minute discussion about before y'all even walked in here. And it all, and he didn't know what I was going to talk about. And he, the Lord has moved and swayed this so much to the point we need to learn. How else are we going to learn to shout? And we already have victory, unless you what? You learn it and you're taught it, right? I'm not pushing Sunday school, okay, Pastor, at all. But that, unfortunately, in churches, and it would be hard in this church, but, church, I mean, and because you don't have many classrooms and different things, but it's just how, but a vital thing that the old church did have that was so good, and people, other than they didn't teach the full gospel, they like to take the Holy Spirit out, was Sunday school. Do you know some of my key knowledge, some of my knowledge I could still grab today? I remember Pam Holly teaching me in Mount Hebron Baptist Church down in the basement classroom with me and her son, my cousin Chris. We're the only two, and she still came and studied and taught me and I absorbed it, not realizing it. And I went off and I went to Auburn for a year and I got my degree in heathenism and I went from there in the Navy and I really became a heathen and everything else. But you know what was still boiling down in my spirit? Those little things that Pam Holly taught me down in that basement of God's word. And that's why teaching of the word is so vital and that answers a lot of that that answers why don't people because they're not taught a new christian needs to be loved and 
shown the kingdom. Once they become a Christian, they need to be taught about the kingdom and how they can walk in the kingdom and how they are heirs, joint heirs to the kingdom. We need to teach. We need to teach victory. We need to teach, hey, God can still pull you out of depression after you've been a pastor for almost eight years and you go in a depressive state for almost three and a half. You don't pick up your Bible. You don't pray. And he still welcomes you in. Third row, right there, first seat. I still had little words of how Jesus loved me and his, his miracles and all the different things and how, how God has made this promise of Jesus for me from that basement when I was 11 and 12 years old, three and a half years dead to depression, still beating in my heart because I was taught. And when he opened me back up and I walked down here that day, well, no, it was actually we were in the back. Sister Vanessa was in the boot that time. And a certain brother from this church knew I was messed up from the time I walked in the door. Came straight to me because he loved me and he walked me down here. And God said, welcome home. God put that ring, and I ain't saying a pastorly ring, I ain't saying a teaching ring. He put that, I'm a son of God, I am a child of God, ring back on my finger. Had I went and cleaned up and everything? No, he still threw that robe back on my shoulder. Right there. With other men of the church gathering around me. And it all, all that is because I remembered promises. And it all goes back to teaching. And it got instilled. And teaching is a vital thing. And that's how we will get to people. And that's how we will explain the gifts of the Spirit. And we won't, because we don't understand, just because we don't fully in the flesh grab it, but we believe it because in the Spirit we know, we don't try to hide it. That's what happened in the world, the Christian world, for so long about the Holy Spirit. That is exactly what happened. It wasn't that they didn't want to teach it. They were scared. Do you know one of the first churches, Pentecostal churches, the Church of God was birthed out of, and there was people that believed but not fully, was the Methodist Church. You know, a Methodist church had Pentecostal ties. Look at their symbol. Nothing against Methodist, the United Methodist Church and everything. I'm not going, I'm not in denomination bashing. But something happened. Something happened. 
I'm sorry, John Wesley believed in the Holy Spirit. Big time. But something happened. People got scared. I don't know about this. Some other things happened in history too. It was real fleshly, but things happened. And people got scared. Then it gets wrapped in this box. And then grandma starts teaching, hey, you don't need to be worried about that. And then I won't get into that. I don't get in grandma religion. But let's understand it just got passed down and down and down and down. What does he promise before he comes back? There's going to be a great what? Awakening. That awakening's not going to be limiting the Holy Ghost. That awakening is going to be the full gospel from in the beginning to it is finished. It's going to be the full gospel. It's going to be preached and believed and seen. There's going to be an awakening in the church. And I'm not talking about destiny. I'm talking about the ecclesia, the body. There's going to be a lot of shouting. And you want to know what's going to happen? It ain't for, because if you read this book, when it happens, be prepared. Because there's going to be a weeding out again. There's going to be a threshing floor. Because there is going to be, there's going to be some times where you're going to be chastised. It may come to the point you're arrested. It may get to the point where you're killed. But that awakening's not going to stop. We're going to come to a time. You read the end of the book, you understand. I'm not going to get into that. But understand, we are going to see an awakening. We need to already get, let's get on board. We're already seeing God awaken this church. Full gospel, full Holy Ghost. Let's let him move. Do that. Surrender. A lot of times we say raise hands, raise holy hands. Sometimes we need to do this. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I know the number that's in here. It could be just me and pastor sitting in this place. And if we brought unity, if two or more is gathered in my name, what? I am in the midst. If every one of us come in here Sunday morning with victory on our mind, let's see what can happen. Let me hear some ruahs. You know, that's funny. You know, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. Marines, even the Navy, SEALs, all of them, don't they have something that sounds real similar to that? They got oorahs and... Uh, yeah. But still, there's that raw there. Battle cry. A shout of what? Victory. Yeah. <laughs> that just, that's another one. That just, that, 
That's the Marine Corps. And I'm not saying the Marine Corps is God-ordained. <laughs> but it's funny, they have their oorah. I used to have Marine friends. Hurrah. They'd get all that tied up stuff. But it's funny, they have that shout. Every one of us come in here and let's have a shout Sunday morning. If you're out there watching, I hope there's hundreds of thousands of you out there. Pastor would too. Y'all bring it in the house with a shout Sunday morning. Open yourself up and let the Holy Spirit shout your victory and let, let's see what God has to do. Don't tell him what to do. Let's see what he has to do. Amen? Amen. Yeah. There's something else we're going to take care of also when you get back in here, Pastor. You. You said you needed prayer. So you can ask her. You don't ask me to pray or say pray. And I, I used to stop people in stores. And they, they would ask me to, hey, keep me in your prayers. I'd pray. No, let's stop right here. Win Dixon. That's why I got checked when I shared that with y'all. And I, I looked at him. He was still holding his arm like this. I'm like, come here. You know what? I can't teach and not practice what I teach. I get You get checked. If you ever take on a role as a teacher or preacher or you're teaching God's word, be prepared what you have done or you're teaching or in the middle of teaching or preparing to teach or just taught, you're going to get checked with it. It happens. Big time. It does. I just almost all of it. I'm probably going to have to be the first one to shout next Sunday. I'm going to probably get checked Sunday morning. If I ain't started shouting or I ain't done something, I'm probably going to be the one that gets checked. 